Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, about what you will eat or drink, about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labour or spin. I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Well, good morning. As Dan said, my name is Nick. For our visitors, um, uh, it's my pleasure to be the pastor here at Yas Community Baptist Church. So... Uh, Martin Luther, who recently we've celebrated 500 years since the Reformation, and so Martin Luther was one of the key figures in the Reformation, and he had this to say about prayer. He says, As it is the business of tailors to make clothes and the business of cobblers to mend shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. It is our business as Christians to pray, as followers of Jesus, as believers. We sang this morning, I believe in Jesus. And for those who, for that statement is true, it's our business, it's, it's our job, it's our occupation in a sense to pray. And so last week we began a, a, a three-week series. This is week two of three of relearning how to pray. And so if you missed last week, I encourage you to, to get the podcast or you can listen to it on Facebook or, and download it from our website and if all else fails, um, speak to Carl as well. He's the man this morning um, and he can make you a CD um, because I want to say that uh, in preparing and, and, and putting these messages together, even week one, this, this series is revolutionising my own prayer life. Um, and a few others have kind of said that, that, that their, their prayers have been reinvigorated after kind of exploring that already in week one. So I encourage you to grab that um, if you haven't already heard it or if you have and want to listen again, jump onto that. Uh, and so our focus during this series is on how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. So we're not relearning how to pray from, from Pastor Nick. Uh, Pastor Nick, 
Um, you just call me Nick, that's fine. No one actually calls me Pastor Nick, which is what I prefer. But, but I'm learning together with you. We're relearning how to pray together from Jesus himself. And so Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. He says, this then is how you should pray. Notice he says how and not what. And so what follows is what we normally call the Lord's Prayer, but, but this isn't a what to pray. This isn't intended from Jesus that we just repeat these words that wrote. This is a model for how we should pray. And so Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not, in tempta- sorry, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so last week we focused on the first three lines of this model prayer. And so what we drew out of that last week was that prayer is primarily about relationship with God as our Father and us as His children. Prayer is first and foremost about relationship. Secondly, our prayers should be filled with worship, not just request. And thirdly, our prayers should focus on God's will before our own. And so this week, we're, we're going to jump into that middle line in this prayer, the kind of separating line in the middle of this prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 11 is what we're going to be talking about today, which says this, Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. And so what we're going to do today is I want to explore um, two things. Firstly, we're going to just have a look at this verse and have a look at what is it that Jesus is actually teaching his followers to ask for in prayer. So we're just going to unpack that verse. But then secondly, I want to highlight three fundamental truths that Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 6 and 7, both before and after he teaches this model prayer, that shape how we pray this prayer. So we're going to unpack this verse, and then we're going to kind of highlight three fundamental truths that shape how we pray this verse. So what is it actually that Jesus is teaching us to pray? Give us today our daily bread. Now, it might be shocking for you, but the Greek word for bread here literally means bread. So Jesus is inviting his disciples to pray for bread. But, but bread is also one of those words where you mention one thing, but it means everything. And, and so bread is a stand-in for, for everything we need in the physical realm. And most believe it also expands out to speak of everything we need in every other way, including the spiritual, emotional, psychological realm as well. So so bread here stands in for everything that we need. Jesus is encouraging us to ask the Father to provide for all of our needs. Today and daily. Give us today our daily bread. The definition of the Greek word for daily includes the ideas of necessary and sufficient. The sense of this is more what we need for each specific day rather than a set daily ration. This is not a you get one piece of bread a day, but if you need three tomorrow, you get three. If you need four, you get four. If you need none, you get none. This is a sense of God providing just what we need for each day. Our necessary and sufficient daily bread and Jesus encourages his 
followers to pray today. Give us today our necessary and sufficient daily bread. And today in the Greek sentence structure is actually in the emphatic position. That means that today is the word that Jesus focuses most on in this sentence. This is our prayer that God would provide sufficiently for today's needs and that he would do so each and every day. That is, it's, it's not a prayer that God would provide for you today for what you might need in 10 years' time. It's not a prayer that you would win the lottery and that you would never ever have another need in your life financially. It's a prayer that today God would provide for your necessary and sufficient needs. Now, Jesus spoke these words to what is, was primarily a subsistence culture. That means a culture that lived to try and just get enough to survive. And so if people were fortunate enough to have um, a little bit of land to farm, they were hopeful that they might be able to produce just enough to feed their family. They didn't have vast tracts of land. They just hoped to produce just enough to feed their family. Most people were day labourers which meant they would work a day and get paid for that day. And if they got work tomorrow, they'd work that day and get paid for that day. And so their existence was a subsistence existence. It was a living literally from one day to the next. They would get paid just enough to survive each day. And so their life was a very real life of, of, of worry and anxiety about, will I have enough bread to feed myself and my family tomorrow? And so for those that followed Jesus, those that put their trust in God, Jesus is inviting them into a life of very real trusting for each and every day's needs. It reminds us of Israel in the, in the wilderness. And if you don't know the story, Israel were in the wilderness. There was no food at all and no potential to produce food. But God provided supernatural bread from heaven that they called manna. And they had to go out and gather it every day. And, in, and God said, don't gather more than you need for one day. And if they gathered more than they needed for one day, it would be rotted the next day. But God faithfully, every day provided manna except for on the day before the sabbath where they weren't to gather bread he provided enough for two days and miraculously it lasted the two days but so so this was god providing enough for each and every day there wasn't a day that they didn't have bread to eat but they also couldn't go out and stock up and build wealth and build provision so that they didn't have to trust god for the next day it was a season of israel learning to have to rely on God the Father for their daily bread today and each and every day. And so in our own lives and culture, many of us have lost the sense of having to trust and rely on God each and every day. We live, those of us that are here this morning mostly, um, live in the Western world that is perhaps the wealthiest society that has ever existed in the history of this planet. On top of that, even if we don't have money, we, we usually have lines of credit and credit cards so that even if we run out, we can still go to the shop and buy food. We've got to pay that back at some point, but, but we don't have that sense of, well, I'm not going to have food tomorrow. And even if, if we get to the end of all of that, we're blessed and fortunate to live in a country with a welfare safety net so that, that it's very almost impossible for you to not be provided something for daily bread in this country and so so many of us have lost the sense of of what it feels like and looks like to have to rely on god today for daily bread 
for sufficient and necessary bread. But I want to say, regardless of our financial status, this prayer reminds us that ultimately we do depend upon God, not our ability, not our bank balance, not the welfare safety net for our needs. In fact, the the wealth of Western society, the wealth of Western culture hasn't removed our need to trust God for each and every need. It simply has obscured it. Your wealth or the wealth of the culture that you live in has not removed your need to trust in God each and every day for your needs. It has simply obscured it. See, Israel had to trust God in the desert for their daily bread, but they would enter into a season in the promised land when, when their harvest would be plentiful and, 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 and God warned them through um, Moses in Deuteronomy with these words. He says, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And, and so we might say, Well, I, I worked... 70 hours this week and I got paid for that work and I went to the shop and I bought the food and I cooked it and I put it on the table and so don't thank God, thank me for this daily bread. And so God warned us that that in seasons of wealth and abundance we had to remember it's not ourselves, our power, our strength that has produced this wealth for us. It is God who gives us the ability and the capacity to earn our daily bread. And so Jesus taught his followers to trust in the Father and to ask him for their daily bread, for their each and every need. And so our prayer life, though, as we've talked about last week, shouldn't focus in first and shouldn't prioritize first and be the main focus of our prayers, our needs. Our prayers should include bringing our needs to God. Because this prayer reminds us that we are called to trust the Father. This prayer reminds us that we depend on Him and not anyone or anything else, including ourselves, for our daily physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, psychological, whatever adjective, if I've got the right word, I'm looking to my teacher wife, if that's an adjective, whatever (laughs) adjective that you can put in front of need, we need to trust God to provide for it. And so prayer invites God to provide for our needs, but it also renews our mind with the truth that we trust in God today for our daily bread. And so we should bring our needs before Him. But as I said, there there are three fundamental truths that Jesus teaches in Matthew 6 and 7 that surround this teaching on prayer that shape how we should pray for daily bread. And so this morning, I'm giving you an invitation to become a fundamentalist Christian. And I don't mean that in the sense of what we might think of when I say those words, um, in terms of right, extreme right-wing political views or, or things like that, or um, extreme anything. But what I'm inviting you to come is to have a fundamental belief in what Jesus teaches you about your relationship to the Father that is not shaken by what circumstances life might bring into your existence. Because these things aren't sometimes true of some people. They are fundamentally true about who God is. 
And so the first of these fundamental truths that should shape how we pray for our daily bread is that your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask Him. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, before Jesus says this then is how you should pray, He says this, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they are heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And so certain pagan belief systems operate under the the belief that the more a prayer is prayed, um, the, the more likely it is to be answered and so they babble on with empty repetitious words it's kind of like a a cosmic petition to god that that the more signatures on the list the more likely god's about to answer it or it's like you know one of those competitions that you can enter as many times as you like and and so the more entries that you submit the more likely that it's just randomly going to come you're the winner you get your needs met and so jesus says don't pray like that Jesus taught his followers to not be like that in their prayers because of that fundamental truth that that your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. And so our prayers do not give God information about our needs that he doesn't currently already have. The Father is not naive to your need. The Father is not naive to your need for daily bread. The Father is not naive to your need for anything. He created you. He formed you from the dust, it says in Genesis, and breathed life into you. He hasn't all of a sudden gone, oh, I totally forgot that humans need to eat. (laughs) Or I was unaware that they needed clothing and shelter. Who who knows the story of Genesis knows who provided the adequate clothing for Adam and Eve? God. They hodged together some kind of fig leaf monstrosity that I can't imagine, you know, all our pictures in children's books illustrate it quite adequately, nicely, appropriately, because we don't want our children to be um, tainted by reading kids' Bible stories. But, but I'm sure it wasn't really great and it was God who knew their need and provided for it. And he hasn't forgotten what we need. Jesus reinforces this truth again later in Matthew chapter 6, what Jill read for us this morning, and amazingly eloquently, seen as that was 10 seconds before she read it, that she was asked to read, or volunteered to read. But Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 to 32. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And so sometimes as Christians, we fall into a habit of praying pagan prayers. We fall in the habit of praying, begging God or saying, God, can't you see that I need this? And, 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 and desperately over and over again, repeating prayers. And I'm not talking about persistence in prayer. I'm just talking about saying the same thing over and over again to God in the hope that this time he'll listen. To pray like that, to pray this, this please, 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 please kind of prayer isn't Christian, it's pagan. To pray prayers that seek to convince God of our needs is not Christian, it's pagan. 
Uh, I'm not saying that God will not hear that kind of prayer, that you're doing it wrong so he doesn't hear you. I'm saying it, it doesn't have the trust in a Christian God. It's, it's a pagan habit. It's a, it's a habit of one who doesn't fully know and trust God. We all do it from time to time. There's no guilt or shame. It's just not the kind of prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. As I said, there's a difference between faith-filled, believing persistence in prayer and anxious babbling and begging. And so our prayers do not need to be filled with this kind of begging. Our prayers do not need to convince God that we need something. You can pray, Father, give us today our daily bread. Father, provide for my needs free from worry and anxiety because of this first fundamental truth. Your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask Him. Your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask Him. The second fundamental truth that should shape how we pray for our needs is this, that your Father in heaven cares deeply for you. And so in most of our Bible passages, that that passage that was read to us this morning from Matthew chapter 6 has the heading, Do Not Worry. And this is somewhat appropriate because it it makes sense. This is the instruction um, from Jesus. He says, don't worry about this, don't worry about that. And so it kind of makes sense. but, But the main thing that Jesus is trying to teach his followers here is that they don't need to worry. So when we put the heading, do not worry there, we kind of feel like, oh, I worried and I've, I've disappointed God because I worried. I've sinned and fallen short because of my worry. Where what Jesus is trying to do is say, you don't need to. You don't need to worry because the Father cares so much about you. In Matthew 6, 26, it says this, which we've already had read, but I want to read it again. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? I haven't got this one on the slide, but in Matthew 10, 20, uh, verse 29 to 31, in a few chapters later, Jesus kind of reconnects with this thought idea, and he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the Father's will? And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And so Jesus is saying, what's his point here? He's saying that God cares for every part of creation. Even a sparrow, which is, you know, I grew up on a chook farm and we had plenty of sparrows. Believe me, they're the most worthless creature in all of creation. Um, but God is saying not even one of those will fall to the ground apart from the Father's will. And he cares so much about you that he has numbered, not just counted, it says, numbered every hair on your head. And probably on your face, Carl and Abraham. (laughs) He cares so much about you. He takes so much interest in you that even the parts of us that seem peripheral and insignificant, he's catalogued every single one. So he says, don't be afraid. Those that believe in Jesus need not worry because the Father cares 
deeply for them. Later on in that passage that Jill read for us, it says this in verse 28 and 30 of Matthew 6. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, who was in this age the symbol of all wealth and opulence, no one could have imagined someone more wealthy than Solomon or or more flamboyant in the expression of that wealth. He says, yet I tell you not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? O you of little faith. It amazes me how often we read the scriptures in a chastising sense, like Jesus is really cranky with us. And so we read, O you of little faith, and we go, oh, it's true, I do have little faith, I'm such a horrible person. But what is Jesus suggesting his followers have little faith in here? What is Jesus suggesting his followers have little faith in? Well, in context, it's that they have little faith in the truth that they are worth more to God than birds and grass. Jesus is not saying, you're little faith, you're not a good Christian. He's saying, you don't believe that the Father cares more about you than sparrows and weeds. You have little faith. We've got two of our three children in school and so uh, part of that process is sending them to school with lunch except for on the glorious day that is canteen day and you can just order it for them and it's um, easier. And so I confess that my wife Christy does 99.95% of the lunch um, preparations um, but our kids don't have to worry about their lunch boxes having food in them when they go to school. They don't uh, need to anxiously come to us and say, am I going to get lunch today? Are you going to to give me something to eat today? Because they know that we care about them enough to provide for their need for food. They might ask, what's for lunch? Some days might be their favourite and some days might not be their favourite, but they have full confidence that there will be lunch. Because they know that they are valuable to us. They know that they are valuable to us. It's one of the, 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 the greatest privileges I have in life is to be the father of those three boys and, and, and they understand that they're worth enough to my wife, Christy and I, that we're not going to send them to school without lunch. And so, so our relationship with our Heavenly Father is kind of like the same but, but so much better and more perfect He's not going to send you to school without lunch. Because he cares so deeply for you. It is a fundamental truth about who he is. That your father in heaven cares deeply for you. You are incredibly, indescribably, infinitely valuable to your heavenly father. So Jesus' question to his disciples was essentially this. How much faith do you have that you are valuable to God? And so I want to ask you that question this morning as well. How much faith do you have that you're valuable to God? 
The scripture says, faith is being certain of what we do not see. And so worry about daily bread isn't something to be ashamed of, but it isn't an indication that we are not yet fully certain, that we're not yet fully filled with faith that our Heavenly Father cares deeply for us. Anxious prayers are an indication that we have room to grow in believing that this fundamental truth about who God is and how He feels about us is true. Our prayers do not need to convince God to care. Our prayers don't need to be filled with worry and anxiety. You can pray, Father, give us today our daily bread. Father, provide for my needs free from worry and anxiety. You can put his kingdom and his will before your own because of this fundamental truth. Your Father in heaven cares deeply for you. The third fundamental truth that that shapes how we pray for our needs is this. Your Father in heaven gives to those who ask Him. In the next chapter, so so again, just after Jesus has taught about prayer in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And He goes on, Which of you... If your son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? The staple food of the first century Jewish community was a diet of bread and fish. And and so this... Context here, they're asking us, a child asking for bread or asking for fish is, is, is a child asking for their lunch, their basic needs. They're not asking for pizza or hot dogs uh, or, or, or something flamboyant like lasagna. Um, they're asking for just, just essentially a sandwich. And so a responsible parent would not trick their children by serving up stones instead of bread or a snake instead of fish they would provide them with precisely what they need, their daily bread and fish. And so Jesus says, if human parents, though we are fallen and sinful and imperfect, the word he uses is evil, know how to do the right thing by their children, how much more so will the perfect heavenly father do right by his children by taking care of their needs? This is a fundamental truth about who God is. Your Father in heaven gives to those who ask Him. Sometimes we have this idea when we pray to God, and uh, I've heard people say it, I may have said it, um, sorry if I have, but we have this idea of be careful what you ask for in prayer. Like God is some kind of evil genie. (laughs) Like there's those jokes about um, where, where this person gets three wishes to ask of a genie and, 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 and it's all this effort to get the wording exactly right because the genie is going to mess it up for you. Uh, the only one I can remember and is, is, a, is a, I would say, probably chauvinistic Australian male um, asking um, to, be, to have a, a tall bird with long legs um, and what he gets is an emu. 
and there's this sense of we've got to be careful that we, we pray right, otherwise God's out to get us. Sometimes we have this sense of being fearful of God's response to prayer, like, like there's a chance it's, it's ever going to be not good. It mightn't always be exactly the way we want things to happen or we might ask for a honey sandwiching and we get Vegemite. But God's response to prayer is always good because the Father in heaven gives to those who ask him. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 24, Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. In Romans 8.32, it says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, sorry, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He who did not spare his own son, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So all things here is a reference to all that we need. It's the sufficient daily bread. It's not talking about all our selfish desires, everything that we may uh, wish we would have in life. It's a give us today our daily bread type, all things. It's a prayer for our need, not for our greed. But it would be nonsensical for the Father to give us His Son. God with Him before there was such a thing as time, it would be nonsensical for God to give us His Son, Jesus Christ, to be sacrificed on the cross for us and then be withholding with our needs. If He's given us the most precious thing He had to give, it would be nonsensical for Him to then not provide for our each and every other need. He who gave us his son, will he not also give us all things? And, and so if we're uncertain if something is a want or a need or a selfish desire or a need, then we can bring that before the Father as well and say, Father, show me which of my desires are daily bread and which are cake. And it's okay to want cake. I was blessed by our neighbor with something called a, with a, with a tray of something called lolly cake yesterday. There's a tiny bit left. Um, um, and so some, and we didn't ask for that. We didn't, um, you know, beg this neighbor or, or, um, or God for cake. But God just blessed us with cake. And so sometimes God blesses you with cake. And so it's okay to want cake, but, but it's also a good thing to go, God, is this a cake desire or is this a daily bread type thing? And, and ask him to show you. Our prayers do not need to be filled with fear. Our prayers do not need to be filled with doubt and uncertainty. You can pray, Father, give us today our daily bread. Father, provide for my needs free from worry, anxiety, fear and doubt because it's a fundamental truth that the Father in heaven gives to those who ask Him. Father in heaven gives to those who ask him. And so Jesus taught his followers to pray, give us today our daily bread. 
as we began with last week, it's not the first thing on Jesus' prayer hit list. As Dan reminded us, it's actually 11%. Uh, not that I think it's necessarily intended to be interpreted in statistical terms, but it's actually 11% of the model prayer that Jesus gave us was asking for our needs. Jesus taught us to begin in relationship with our Father. He taught us to hallow His name, to worship His name. He taught us to pray for His kingdom to come and His will to be done before and as a higher priority than our own needs. But He did teach us to pray, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. But He also taught these three other fundamental truths that shape how we approach this prayer. Your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask Him. Your Father in heaven cares deeply for you and your Father in heaven gives to those who ask. I want to make it a little bit simpler. Your Father knows. When you're coming to prayer and and, and, and you're filled with just this sense of, oh, I need this, God. Just remember, your Father knows. When you're coming to prayer and, 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 and you feel like you need this thing and you're not sure if God really cares, then just remember, your Father cares. If you're coming to prayer and you're not sure what kind of God God is, just remember, your Father gives he's a generous god he loves to give good gifts to his children your father knows your father cares and your father gives and so this morning we're going to sing that song again um, and we're just going to take some time um, just to meditate on these truths as we sing jesus i need you but then after that, just as we go off to morning tea, and I just want to give the opportunity to pray. And, and I think where we fall up in this is, is what Jesus said around that idea of, oh, you of little faith. Where we trip up is, is believing that I am valuable to the Father. Where we trip up is, is trusting in the Father's generosity. And so uh, I'd love to have the opportunity after we just spend some time in, in worship and, and focusing in on our need for God and, 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 and in this song, using the name of Jesus. Um, after we've had that time of just, just reflecting on that, uh, then I'd love to pray for anyone who, who really struggles with believing that they're valuable to God. That you have little faith when it comes to believing that you're worth more than the, the birds and the grass. So I'm going to pray, we'll sing, and then um, as we head off to morning tea, if that's you, then just come down and we'll just have a time of, of inviting the Holy Spirit to come and, and show you how valuable you are to God. And so we thank you, our Heavenly Father. We thank you for who you are. We worship your name this morning. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the person of the Holy Spirit that fills us and brings all truth into our life. And so, Father, we thank you that you know our need. We thank you that you care about our need. And we thank you that when we ask, you give. 
altar. We worship you now in Jesus' name.